How much do you know about Jesus? We say we're followers of Jesus. We say we're Christians, Christians. We may even say we love Jesus. But if you love someone, you want to know about them. If you love someone, you can tell others about them. If you love someone, you pay attention to them. When Tammy and I were first dating, she questioned how much I was uh, into her. She says, do you even know what color my eyes are? Uh, They're gray, I replied. Wrong answer. Blue-eyed people do not like to have their eyes described as gray. At least not the blue-eyed person who mattered most to me. And I learned that I'd better start paying attention if I was going to have any future with this woman. And actually, the more that I fell in love with her, the more that I wanted to know about her. Maybe it was a story from her childhood, like the day she decided to give herself a haircut and became the only uh, girl in her neighborhood with a crew cut. Maybe it was the day in fifth grade there in Belgium where she was living, where she took the train all by herself to her dad's office in Brussels to deliver the briefcase that he'd forgotten at home. Or maybe it was the day that she wasn't feeling well, and I made her Cajun crayfish. I have yet to live that down. (laughs) But I paid attention, and I've never done it again. When you love someone... You want to know all about them, and the same goes with Jesus. The Bible describes our relationship with Jesus as being like a marriage. In Ephesians 5, Paul takes a familiar wedding scripture, and the two shall become one, and he says this is an analogy of Jesus and the church. This mystery is a profound one, he says, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. And also in 2 Corinthians and in Revelation, the Bible talks about our relationship with Jesus as being like a marriage. And in a marriage, you want to know all about your spouse. And so to borrow a lyric from a song, let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you about your Jesus. This fall, we are going to to look at what Jesus said and did and how he's still doing it today and how we can be like him. This fall is all about Jesus. And we start now, today, by hearing about the day that Jesus wept. If you've ever had to memorize a Bible verse, you probably memorized that one. John eleven thirty five, 35, the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. But why was he weeping? And what difference does that make to you right now? To find out, well, we, we need to, to look back at what happened that day, and actually four days earlier as well. <clears throat> we find the story in the 11th chapter of John, and if you're following along, we're, we're just going to stay in that, in that chapter all morning here. Verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. 
But that's a story for another day. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. That's a crazy verse, isn't it? He loved Lazarus and Martha and Mary. And so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. I mean, that uh, even makes me look good. When, t- <laughs> when Tammy was sick, at least I, I brought her a crayfish. I mean, I did something. But Jesus, he waits two days before even starting to go to Lazarus, and by then, he's already dead. Verse 7. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there were trying to stone you, and yet you're going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It's when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. And after he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Lazarus is dead. But with Jesus, that is never the end of the story. And so they go to Lazarus. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us go that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Martha is a woman of deep faith. She knows the power of Jesus. She knows that, that if Jesus had just gotten there a little bit earlier, her brother would not have died. Why didn't Jesus come in time? Where was he when her brother died? You know, it's hard to face tragedies when there is nothing that you can do about it and no one can do anything. But it's even worse when you know someone who can do something about it and they don't. Where were you, Jesus, when my brother was dying? Do you know what you were doing? 21 years ago today, and if you're old enough, you probably remember. I walked into the church office that morning and and saw the, the people in the office huddled around a small TV. They said planes had crashed into the World Trade Center. 
As I looked, the South Tower collapsed. And before long, we were hearing about the Pentagon and Flight 93 and the hundreds of firefighters and, and police who rushed in to rescue people and who perished. Nearly 3,000 people died. It was the worst attack ever on American soil. And by people we had never even heard of before then. Where was Jesus when the firefighter with the young children rushed in and never returned to his family? Where was Jesus when the young woman looking forward to her wedding perished in the destruction? Where was Jesus when the brave passengers of Flight 93 fought back and saved the capital but lost their lives? It's the same question we ask today when we hear about a school shooting or deaths from COVID or, or suicide or, or fentanyl. Where were you, Jesus? If you had only been here, they wouldn't have died. That day, Martha told Jesus, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 22. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Martha thinks that Jesus is offering a platitude. <clears throat> it's, it's okay, your brother will rise again. It's like when someone tells you, she's in a better place. You go, yeah, yeah, I know she is, but fat comfort that is to me right now because I'm in a lousy place. And Jesus, you didn't do anything to help. Verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Do you believe this? Do you really believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior, who is the resurrection and the life, and not even death can stop him? I've told you before how I've had to face that myself, that question that, that Jesus asks. I'm the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? At the annual drawing to see who would be the conference preacher for the next year, at annual conference, <clears throat> God spoke to me audibly for the first and only time in my life. As the bishop was about to reach into the box that had all the pastor's names to draw one out, a voice said to me, you'll be drawn and you'll preach on this. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? And sure enough, my name was drawn. And since I already had the scripture, all I had to do was spend the next year looking for examples of people who had to confront Jesus' question. I'm the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? I didn't realize that I would be the one that had to confront that question. Our oldest son and a neighbor boy were throwing balls up and 
and hitting them in the backyard. And, and sometimes they'd miss and the balls would fall at their feet. And their youngest son, Lee, who was two years old at the time, ran to pick up one of those balls just as the neighbor boy swung the bat again. The bat caught Lee in the side of the head, crushing in his skull. As I sat in the hospital with the doctors wondering if Lee would live, I heard the words of Jesus speaking to me. I'm the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Do you believe I'm with you? Do you believe that Lee's life is in my hands? Do you believe I am the resurrection and the life? I was going to preach on it, but did I believe it? Lee came through the surgery. They put his skull back together with titanium plates. And today he's a pastor in Blue Earth, Minnesota. But that's not the end of the story. Last year, during the birth of Lee's first child, Pastor Lee lived out his own version of that question. Baby Lincoln was having difficulty during the birth. They did an emergency C-section. He wasn't breathing. The doctors immediately arranged for him to be airlifted to Mayo and whisked him off before mom could even see him. Lee left his wife Rachel in the hospital and drove alone to Rochester, wondering if his baby was dead or alive. Having to confront Jesus' question, I'm the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Martha said she believed. I said I believed. Lee said he believed. Do you believe? Do you trust Jesus? Do you trust those you love to Jesus? It's easy to say it now, but it isn't easy when your world is falling apart. Martha gives a, a halfway answer to, to Jesus' question. She says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah who is coming into the world. Then she runs off to get her sister. Verse 28. After she said this, she went back to call her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Same lament as Martha. Jesus, if only you were here. Where were you, Jesus? When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. There it is. Jesus wept. Jesus wept that day, not because... He is powerless, not because Lazarus is dead and gone, because he knows he will live. Jesus wept not because he was too late, like everyone thought. Jesus wept 
because he loves Mary and Martha and Lazarus and all those who are grieving over him. Jesus wept because where our hearts break, his does too. Even though he knows our grief is temporary, Jesus weeps with us. You want to know where Jesus was on 9-11? He was weeping, just like that video said. You want to know where he was during that last school shooting? Or when your loved one faced tragedy? He was there weeping. As the scripture says, weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Jesus is there in our pain and sorrow and grief, weeping and preparing to bring forth life from death, victory from defeat. Verse 36. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, couldn't he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Sound familiar? Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead, Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus says, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I've said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he'd said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus said to, to them, unbind him and set him free. Martha said she believed that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, but when push comes to shove, she can't quite believe it. Don't open the tomb. It'll stink. Yes, Jesus, all that stuff about the resurrection, I believe you can do that in my life. I just don't believe you can do it now. You were the one to come, but not now. But that day he did. Unbind him and let him go free. And Lazarus walked out of that tomb. And Jesus is still doing that today. Speaking into our tombs, calling the dead to life, freeing us from everything that binds us. Our worries for our loved ones, our fears of death, the darkness that surrounds us. Even when things stink, Jesus is weeping with us, feeling our grief but always bringing victory from defeat, freedom from bondage, life from death. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live. Do you believe this? Later this fall, we're going to have the Adult and Teen Challenge Choir come and lead worship uh, with us again. That's always a great time. And it's always inspiring because 
The choir members are living proof that Jesus is the resurrection and the life today. In talking to those who have found strength in Christ to face their addiction, they often use images that are straight out of the Lazarus story. I had no life. I was living in such darkness. I was held in bondage by my addiction. I couldn't break free, but then Jesus changed me. He freed me. He helped me live again. I was dead, but now I'm alive, and it's all because of Jesus. I love hearing those stories. I love hearing what Jesus is doing. That day when Mary and Martha and Lazarus, Jesus started doing something, and he hasn't stopped doing it. He is still weeping with us in our grief and raising the dead to life, even today. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the resurrection and the life. Even now, I do believe it. Let's pray. Jesus' life can get difficult. And we do face many times when it stinks. when we face death, when we face tragedy, and it doesn't have to be in a, a worldwide scale like 9-11. It can be the little 9-11s in our own lives when our peace is shattered, when those we love are taken from us. Yet in the midst of all of that, we know that you are there, even now, crying tears with our tears, but also working towards life, working towards freedom, working towards victory. Thank you, Jesus, for being with us this day and for always being the resurrection and the life, not just in, in the future. We know you will come again, but, but even now, you bring life. And for that, we're grateful.